invite you to open your Bibles this morning to um, Matthew chapter 21. This is one of the great stories of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us the story of Jesus' entry, the beginning of Palm Sunday, of Passion Week, of Holy Week, of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And there's, there are very special points to be made. And we are invited to identify with all the characters in this story. So Matthew chapter 21. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the, on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. He left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Precious Lord, we thank you that you come to us. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, bring illumination to our minds and to our hearts, to our very beings this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Last Tuesday morning, we read this story in the women's Bible study. And when I finished reading it, Phyllis said, oh, how I would love to have been there. And of course, I said, that's the point of the story. 
These stories invite us to be there, to be a part of all the great events of the gospel story. We think of that great hymn, that great spiritual, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? Were you there when they laid his body in the tomb? Were you there when he was raised up on Easter Sunday? Were you there? In what sense were you there? How do you get there? 2,000 years later, you get there with an open book. The power of the Holy Spirit. As you learn and as we learn as the people of God to pray together these scriptures, sometimes we call it Lectio Divina, our divine reading, in which we are invited to read over and over, to sink in, to let the message impact us until we become identified with several words in a text that speak to us. And in the process, we find ourselves by virtue of a spirit-inspired imagination becoming identified with the story as not just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but we are there. I am there. Thanks be to God. And being there may not all the time be easy. The words pop up for me immediately. The city, Jerusalem. When you're coming from the north and the east, you have to come up by way of Jericho, through the, the Jordan Valley, through the Judean wilderness, up a long road. Now there's a, a, a freeway that runs from Jerusalem to Jericho, 1,000 feet below Sea level up to 3,000 feet above sea level, 20 miles. But in the old days, there was just one winding, steep road that the pilgrims that were on their way to Jerusalem would follow. And they came up for the Passover celebration, walking in heat and the steepness of the road, off sometimes with danger from robbers. By the time they arrived at the crest, at the very top of the Mount of Olives, the whole environment changed. And there were pine trees and forest and green grass at this time of the year in particular. And John wants us to know that he stopped and spent a few days in, in Bethany, where his friends Mary, Martha, and, and Lazarus lived. And while he was there, he was confronted with the reality of the death of his friend Lazarus. And there Jesus stood outside of the tomb of Lazarus, and he wept for his dear friend and called him forth, Lazarus, come forth. And when the multitudes of the crowds saw what he had done in this mighty act of God, they were deeply moved. And it's, that set the stage for all the events of Holy Week. And then Jesus went down that road winding 
from the Mount of Olives, very steep, past the Garden of Gethsemane, and up into the old city, and there were multitudes of pilgrims from everywhere coming to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem, just as we are this Sunday, and we will be doing throughout this week. A few years ago, in one of our groups that visited Jerusalem, Ken and I had the privilege of our, our hotel room was right atop Mount of Olives, right in the very front, and the window in our room looked down into the old city of Jerusalem. Now that is an awesome sight. And you're transported into an ancient world by vision. And I remember sleeping very tightly at night only to be awakened several times by what seemed to be the music of heaven. The imam calling out from the mosque atop Temple Square, calling the people to prayer, the most beautiful voice and harmony I think I've ever heard. And then suddenly I awakened and realized where I was at. I was at the center of the cosmos, the city of God, the place where Solomon's temple and Herod's temple, the city where King David established his throne and the national capital, the city to which the tribes would go up. And it was an awe-inspiring experience of being called into the wonder of the music, of the beauty, and the prayer of the night. I didn't convert to being a Muslim. But it reminded me that Jewish history and Christian history and Islamic history all claim that space for the worship of God and if something happens on that hillside that threatens one religion or another, world war could break out. There is such a bonding with that space. One of the afternoons, we took a walk. On the very path, a small little winding steep road that Jesus would have walked on with his disciples on that Palm Sunday. We were going, we were almost to the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't pray this text without incorporating this experience into my mind. I heard a clatter coming from behind us. The roar of horse hoofs roaring down this, that winding little road. He came around the turn. It was a huge black war horse type without a saddle, with a Palestinian rider on it, absolutely flying down the hill. And those who were with me, we held ourselves tight to the walls, hoping that he would miss us. And 
It was a reminder of how Alexander the Great rode into the city in the 4th century B.C. riding his war horse, of how the Romans had come riding their war horses with their legions and armies and armaments. And the interesting juxtaposition between the animal that Jesus rode on Palm Sunday and what one might have expected for the ultimate source of authority and power in the whole cosmos. Surely, when the king would come, he would come riding a war horse, symbolic of power, to turn the world upside down with the instruments with which we identify power. But not Jesus. And so the first word that pops into my mind with this text is the word Jerusalem, the city. And, and suddenly I'm, my imagination runs wild and I, I think of all the cities of the world on this Palm Sunday that in one way or another have had the gospel brought to them and have made their particular responses of Athens, Greece, the center of Greek philosophy and language and culture, Visited by the Apostle Paul. Think of Ephesus with that great temple to Artemis of the Ephesians. One of the wonders, seven wonders of the ancient world now lying in ruins. You think of Rome and the forum there and the difficulties in the early history of Christianity. We think of Paris and the Eiffel Tower and Louvre Museum and we can't think of Paris anymore without the terrorist attack coming to our mind. We think of New York City and how can we think of New York City without 9-11 and we come right down to our own little city, Laguna Beach and you name your city that comes to your imagination this morning. And you realize that the same dynamic that was going on in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago is in some way the same dynamic that goes on in our cities. Matthew tells us the whole city was filled with turmoil. And the word that he used implied that the city was experiencing the shaking of the foundations of the city. It was a spiritual shaking because suddenly they were confronted with the reality of the inbreaking of the one who was presenting himself as Israel's king. So Jesus emerges as the central character in this story, riding on a humble donkey, a symbol of peace. And we are reminded by the Gospels that Jesus, as he rode that donkey down the hill that day with the multitudes around him, that he wept over the city. Even as he had wept at Lazarus' tomb, he wept over the city. Sometimes we wonder, what would it take to call forth tears in our hearts and our eyes 
over the condition of the world in which we live. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, stoning the prophets and putting to death to those who are, who are sent to you. How often I would have gathered you under my wings as a, as a hen does her chicks, but you would not. You are left desolate. Simply a city, as Luke says in chapter 19, that did not know the things that made for peace, that did not know the day of its visitation by the Son of God. That's who it was on the back of that donkey, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God incarnate. This is what the church confesses on Palm Sunday. This is why this story is so very important to us. Because it is another reminder of how God has come to us, humble, riding on a donkey, not a war horse, but he comes to insert himself within the context of the suffering of the world. And he entered the temple. Solomon's temple had built on that site and had lasted for nearly 500 years. It was one of the wonders of the world. You come up over the Mount of Olives, the sun would be shining on the front of the white marble, and it would just absolutely reflect light up and down the valley. Destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C., and I realized coming down that hill that day on that road leading into Jerusalem, I was walking right where the Babylonian armies had walked. And Jesus knew that soon this city that did not know the day of its visitation would experience its own ruin for the Roman armies in 70 AD would destroy the temple and burn the city. One of the great holocausts in the history of the Jewish people. But before that happened, Jesus entered the house, the house of God, built by Herod the Great, as a majestic place for the Jewish people to worship their God, to pray. But Jesus walked into a house of God that had become a marketplace where brigands were at work planning the next attack of the zealots, where the money changers were going about their thing and animals were being sold for sacrifices. And one of the most Interesting acts of Jesus' life. He cleansed the temple, turned over the tables, took a whip, John tells us, and chased the money changers out of the temple. This is no meek and mild Jesus. This is the Jesus who comes not only in humility, but who comes in the holiness of judgment to work for the transformation of his people and of his house. And the people who were in need, the blind and the lame, they came for healing, and he healed them. And when the children were chanting, Hosanna, God save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the Son of David. 
the religious authorities, the chief priests, and the, those who were in league with the Romans. They were deeply offended. There's so much human emotion running through this story. There is anxiety. Indeed, we live in a time in which anxiety runs rampant. An anxiety that we do not know the things that make for peace. Especially in an election year, the crowds are anxious. There's anger in the multitudes. There is offense, and people strike out in rallies of one kind or another, and one wonders what happens to the nation over the long pole with the anxiety and the anger that we feel. One wonders if we are offended at Jesus. There was great fear and longing for the world to be made whole. The children were singing about it. Do you hear what they are saying, the authorities ask? Do you hear what children are proclaiming? This is subversive. And Jesus said, you are exactly right. Because I've come to turn the world upside down or right side up. This text invites us to become engaged with Palm Sunday God. Really, God is the central character in this story. The God who comes in humility and gracefulness to lay down his life. The God who comes in holy judgment to clean up his house, to reform his people. The God who comes to inspire praise even from children out of the mouths of infants and sucking babes. This is the God who comes to us this Palm Sunday. And it's enough to think about for the rest of our years. Because the truth of this story sets the stage for the confrontation of Jesus and the authorities on every day of Holy Week. As Jesus' prophetic critique of the leadership of his people deepens, and the response becomes even deeper, and they plan to kill him and succeed by the end of the week. This is not prosperity theology I'm preaching to you this Sunday. This is not a nationalistic message that I'm preaching to you. This is the message of the kingdom of heaven. And the church needs courage to listen to it and to evaluate our response. May it be in the final analysis the response of those who know they were in need to be touched and healed. 
May it be the response of the children who are welcoming the son of David into the city, singing Psalm 8 that glorifies God's creation. May it be a heartfelt response as it has been already this morning and an expression of our love for the God from whose love we cannot be separated. Thanks be to God. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Join with me in our affirmation of faith. Printed in the bulletin standing, please. The Apostle Paul captured the very essence of the message of our text this morning in Philippians chapter 2. And I ask in his, in his name, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
wondrous love is this, O oh my soul. Let's stand as we sing that together.
us pray. Father, may you continue to strengthen our church in its work and worship, especially through this holy week. Fill our hearts with your self-giving love. Cause our voices to speak your praise, and may our lives conform to the image of your Son. We pray your Holy Spirit would nourish us with the word and empower us by your grace that we may faithfully minister in your name and witness your love and mercy to all of our neighbors. You made all things in your wisdom, and by your love you saved us through the cross of your Son. We pray for your whole creation. Overthrow evil powers, right what is wrong, feed and satisfy those who thirst for justice so that all your people may freely enjoy the earth you've made and joyfully sing your praises. Since you have given us so much, we thank you by sharing now our time, talents, and even our finances with others in need. Use these gifts to show your love to people in our church, our community, and throughout our world for the sake of Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated for the choral benediction. We'll stand again for the charge and blessing.
Church, let us stand for the charge and blessing this morning. I invite you to join with me as we bring our service to its completion together. May our Lord, whose arms were spread on the cross, embracing the whole world, help us this week to take up our cross and follow Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.